I could pretty much guarantee that anybody's that's gotten directly contacted by an aggregator and wants to sell to an aggregator that in the next three minutes, we could put eighteen to $24,000 in their, in their bank account just by a one little uh, tactic to negotiate with aggregators. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's sponsor is Eva, the most intelligent Amazon scaling toolkit online. Amazon sellers need exact, quick-to-read profit reports. Many sellers already pay a lot of money for these. Eva has world-class finance analytics with crystal-clear graphs included at no extra cost. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers, averaging a 51% increase in profits. To get a 15-day free trial, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls. This is Michael Vizi from the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon sellers. We're talking today to Joe Valley, who is the author of the Exitpreneurs Playbook, and he's worked at Quiet Life Brokerage for a long time. Uh, a real expert in building businesses, selling his own, and then he's been working with other people to sell their businesses. And now he's giving away the secrets in a, a very detailed book. Joe, welcome back to the show. Good, good to have you here. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you having me. I say welcome back. I'm completely wrong because you haven't been on the show before, but I've had your colleagues, Mark Doust and Walker Dibel from Quiet Like Brokerage. So I feel like you know, the other member of the family that the audience should meet, really. So <laughs> uh, tell us about the book. What's the, the main purpose of writing the book? What were you trying to do for people with that? Well, just take all the mystery out of selling an online business. I, I was on Facebook this morning at a particular mastermind group and somebody popped something in saying, hey, I've got this business. I, I don't know what the value is. Does anybody have any suggestions on how to learn the value? And you have 30 people pipe in with opinions. And honestly, none of them are completely right. And so even if you go to the Quiet Life Brokerage website or FE International website or Website Closers website, all of the information is not in one single place. And so after a decade of being on the sell side, brokering about a hundred million in total transactions myself, helping facilitate another half a billion through quiet light and having 8,000 conversations with like-minded entrepreneurs that wanted an eventual exit, I, I had to put it all in, in one place so that for those people that are uh, not really comfortable reaching out for uh, evaluation with a broker or that may want to do it on their own, this is an option for them. For those that are going to work with a broker, which I highly recommend, obviously I'm biased, but it's also going to give them a great uh, educational tool to understand every little step along the way when you're just thinking about selling your businesses all the way through to money changing hands and the training transition period, every little detail that goes through it. That's a super clear reason that every single person who's building a business 
should go through the process of understanding how it might be sold one day. So I, I cannot say strongly enough from my personal point of view, as a non-broker, go and talk to brokers and possibly aggregators as well, which is what probably would not be something that you'd be so keen on. But no, that's fine. So people are going to do that and the book will help them with that. Yeah. I could pretty much guarantee that anybody that's gotten directly contacted by an aggregator and wants to sell to an aggregator that in the next three minutes, we could put eighteen to $24,000 in their, in their bank account just by a one little uh, tactic to negotiate with aggregators. Pretty simple. You want to hear what it is. Now that I've said it, I probably ought to tell you what it is. That's quite the promise and you're the man to deliver. Obviously, you've done a huge amount of this. Well, let's get into your background a little bit more then. So you talked about the fact that you've you know done a, a heck of a lot of different, was it half a billion dollars worth of business? So tell us a little bit more about yourself and then let's get into this process that you've outlined. I've been self-employed since 1997. I'm an entrepreneur just like everybody else that's listening. Built, bought, or sold over a half dozen of my own companies. The, the number's probably closer to a dozen if you count the startups that didn't quite get anywhere. And in 2005, I went 100% online with my last e-commerce business. And I ran it through the best of and the worst of the economy and then came out the other end of the uh, Great Recession and sold it. I was tired, worn out, had to move on. And I called three different internet-based business broker firms, M&A firms. Two of them were salespeople and it felt icky. They were just trying to reach through their phone to get their hooks into me for a commission, it felt. And the third was my now business partner, Mark Dowst, who actually gave me some good advice. He reviewed my P&L. We had three phone calls and he said, Joe, listen, man, you could sell now, but if you wait another six months, you're going to make a lot more money based upon the trends. <laughs> so he basically told me to go away. And I was like, who the hell is this guy looking out for my best interest? <laughs> it's always impressive to people when you serve them, because guess what? Building trust is the most rare thing on the internet. It's the most important thing. I'm not a young kid anymore. I got some gray on my chin. Early on in my career, it was all about making money. How much money can I make? And I remember when I was first fully self-employed, my goal was to make $50,000 because that's how much I made in the company that uh, I, I was working for. I left that company in 1997. And I want to make $50,000 in 1998. I ended up making 10 times that, Michael. And I was so driven by money. I used to write down on my hand how much money I made every week. I'd show my father. He thought I was a drug dealer or something. I, he's like, how the hell are you? It's, it's hard to explain. But, but it, it didn't last. It didn't last because I was only focused on the money. Now, years later, it's all about what you just said, which is serving people. How many people can I help? What's in their best interest? And the more I do that, the more I focused on that, the more stable my company becomes, the more people I help, the greater the brand and reputation becomes. And lo and behold, guess what? More money I actually make too. And there's longevity to it. So it's a different, it's a mind shift from a young entrepreneur to one that's a bit more seasoned. I, I really like that. And that's, by the way, I think that all of the things you say to some extent can apply to e-commerce. There are more brutal corrective feedback mechanisms in place if you sell on Amazon than yeah. there are anywhere else. But that, that's true now. That wouldn't necessarily be true. Trustpilot might grow to become the all-encompassing thing you have to have, for example. That's all very reassuring. And uh, Mark Douse is a you know lovely gentleman of a man, and he's been on the show, and I felt was very unsalesy and yeah. very helpful. So I can yeah. understand your experience. And also, there's great stability in Quiet Life then, because that, that means you guys have been working around to, together for quite a long time now, Mark Doust. The company was launched in 2007. I joined in 2012. I took 2011 off. And it mm -hmm. was me, Jason mm -hmm. Yellowitz, who was my broker at the time, and Mark. And now, now we've mm -hmm. got a total of mm -hmm. 15 advisors, more staff, and 
all the advisors that are entrepreneurs like myself, we closed mm-hmm. a, a quarter of transactions in, in 2021. And it just, it keeps getting bigger and bigger. We've quadrupled in size, both revenue and, and profit uh, in the last three years. And with people, we've almost tripled. Wow. So you, you guys obviously know your business. So enough credibility <laughs> building. Let's get into the heart and soul of the, the podcast. But it, it is important for people to know who they're getting advice from. What are the steps then? So you've got the sort of basic outlines. Obviously, the book, quite a thick book, lots to get into. And the detail does matter. I think it really does matter. There is obviously a lot of detail. So let's try and give people a, an overview and then dive into the details a bit more. It, it starts with a goal. What do you want? Right? How much do you or when do you want to sell it? And how do you want to feel when you sell it? Dollars, date, and feeling. Uh, I ask somebody, what are their goals? And they tell me, looking for three times. That's not a dollar amount. That's a multiple. They don't quite understand what a multiple of what is yet. So set a goal, dollar, state, and feeling. I will sell my business in Q3 of 2023. And when I do, I will feel incredible because I'll be out of debt, can spend more time with my family and finally take that RV trip that we wanted to take for three months. And then you need to reverse engineer a path to that goal. And that's what you've got to do there. You can get maybe 75, 80% from the book itself, you want to firm up the value of your business. You want to properly understand and calculate what seller's discretionary is because that's what the multiple is applied to. That is net income plus addbacks, which means you got to really understand what addbacks are. But you want to firm up where you are today so you know how close or how far you are from your goals. And then you want to look at what we call the four pillars of value, risk, growth, transferability, documentation, and a fifth one, it's the mortar that holds all those bricks together and those pillars, and that's you. These are what the buyers are looking at and, and what's going to sway your multiple up or down in a multiple range for your business size and, and niche and things of that nature. And then you want to really kind of shift your mindset a little bit from that young man mentality that I had from make as much money as possible to building a better business or a great business for a great buyer to take over a great price. And you can push and pull different levers to make sure it's as strong a foundation as a business in that 12 to 18 months prior to selling it and marching towards that. You do all of that and it's actually really motivating because you get over those tough days, weeks, and sometimes months we all have as entrepreneurs on your own and you understand what kind of package to put together to entice as many buyers as possible. I think the worst thing that anyone can do, it's just work with one buyer because that buyer knows they've got leverage. You're not talking to anyone else. You want to create competition amongst the buyers. Uh, in 2021 at Quiet Light, we had an average of four and a half offers on every single listing hell of a year and 60 teams went at or over asking price. And that's because of creating that competition. And then the last thing you want to do is really just learn about the different deal structures that are possible. So you don't go into things blind and stressed out. There's cash, holdbacks, earnouts, stability payments, roll equity, working capital banks, inventory notes, and a combination of almost all of those. The more you understand those, the more you can work towards your goals and be at peace with some form uh, other than 100% cash. Although the majority of transactions are sold at 100% cash, there may be a holdback, but that's just during a training transition period. But the more you know, the more comfortable you're going to get with the process. And then the more you can focus on building a great business for a great buyer to take over at a great price. Well, I I like the the fact that you can compress it to that degree. And the weird thing with an expert in an area doesn't make it more complex they make it more simple it's quite interesting like which is other un, the opposite to the facebook experience you were talking about where somebody asks a simple question and you get 30 different replies none of which are accurate so oh, i can i can really make good. it I, i'm sure you can 
<laughs> we could get into the weeds a bit. I think we should because the devil's in the detail with this stuff. But I, I think it's an interesting point that you want to set a goal, a dollar goal, not a multiple. Because in a way, the multiples are relevant, isn't it? Absolutely. You don't put a multiple into your bank account. You put dollars in your bank account. It's dollars, exactly, or pounds or whatever it is. And setting a date. And then you mentioned the sort of, what, you're going to do some kind of family vacation or something. Tell me a bit about the sort of emotional reasons to sell, because it strikes me more and more. So I've spoken to a lot of brokers and aggregators over the last couple of years as the sort of FBA business selling business bit is blown up. And it strikes me that it's an irrational decision when you sell, not how much you sell for. That's the kind of science and the art as well. But it strikes me that the emotional decisions when. So tell me a bit about that initial decision to sell from your experience, what motivates people yeah, who own well, businesses to sell and what are good and bad reasons. To first of all, I think it's a, it's an irrational decision to sell if you have not planned to sell. You just wake up and decide to sell. And I think it's irrational then because yeah. you're absolutely not going to get maximum value for the business. Simple as that. Emotional reasons, we go on, we go through cycles. We get worn out. We get excited. We launch a business. We grow a business. We take it as far as we can take it. And some of us are really good at the startup phase and getting it to 5 million or 10 million, 1 million, whatever your number is, add or subtract zeros uh, for your own personality. But it doesn't mean we're great at taking a business from a million, 25 million or 50 or a hundred million. As I said, at Quietlight, we now have over 30 people. We closed a quarter of a billion dollars actions. Does that mean Mark and I should be at the helm to close a in transaction every year? Maybe not, right? We've got to understand our own level of incompetence in order to reach those goals <laughs> with Sam. Unfortunately, when people don't set the goals, they get emotionally exhausted, tired, and worn out. With goals, you can still get that watching towards something. And so the the bell is because they wake up and decide to sell, or they've set those goals and they understand that the reality, especially with an FBA business that's growing rapidly or any commerce business that's growing rapidly, the, the vast majority of the money that you make, real wealth, is built by selling a business, not by holding it. There are exceptions to every rule, but if you say, well, what about Zuckerberg? What about Bezos? They've all sold their businesses. They went public. That's a sale. That's how they made their billions. Most other people that real rich or the freedom, financial freedom they desire, it often comes from an exit. And with these physical product businesses that are so capital intensive, it requires uh, a, a sale. And then you can, you know, uh, should. And if you want to do it again, because you're smarter, more experienced and not as cash strapped, you don't have to bootstrap it as tightly. And your path in revenue or 5 million in revenue is probably going to be condensed because you're so much more experienced at what you do. It's almost that part of wealth, if you do it two, three, four times, you are making more money that way, probably holding the business uh, yourself. Now, there's another option, which is exit without exiting, but that means you've got to get big enough to get a C-suite level of executive, move yourself onto the board and uh, trust that there you are. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? That there's, I'm going to spell it, in, in terms of typical value investing, of, of whom Warren Buffett sure. is a kind of famous example, then the he says, our ID holding period is forever and you, you buy and hold great businesses. And I suppose there is a mentality amongst weirdly good, but maybe not great entrepreneurs, which is that I'm going to build and then hold. And that can make sense for some businesses. And I've seen the odd businesses where I think, you know what, you've been around for four generations and you're going to be around for five. And I've seen a couple of businesses where I'm like, you've been around for three generations, but you'll probably survive another generation, but it's miserable because your profit margin is awful. So I think if it won't stand up to the external scrutiny of the possibility of selling, yeah. let me put it that way. I'm still not convinced that anyone should be simply blindly saying, I'm going to build this business without exploring whether you could make more money selling. Because my other experience, and tell me about this, I've come across this a couple of times with clients now. They're like, no, I've had some offers on my business, but I'm not going to sell. I'm not going to sell. 
slight silence where I don't see them for a couple of months. Oh, I've sold my business because the number is so attractive they can walk away. Does that happen often or is that an I'd say exception, it's the exception say? rather than the rule? It's a great exception. One we'd all be excited about. But even in those situations, the number maybe was great to them, but the reality is that it probably could have been stronger. They just didn't understand how. To be fair, and with that person, they did have a, a pretty good broker. I think they set them up so they had a bit of a feeding frenzy of 15 calls with, with potential buyers in one day, which has to be a heck of a day. You probably know people that are presenting a Shark Tank. I do as well. We've got one on the team. Imagine your business and your brand and your pitch and you go into the Shark Tank and everybody calls in sick, but Mr. Wonderful. Not going to be very good, right? Your offer is going to be pretty awful. It's best to have all that comp though. You've got 15 buyers clamoring over each other and they all know it. Not only are you going to get at least full price for your business, but you're also going to get a great deal structure, which may be all cash, or you may be open to rolling some equity and trusting that buyer to grow the business and you get a second exit that might be bigger than the first. So tell me about deal structure. So you brought that up and uh, you did say that most deal structures these days are in your experience, 100% cash. And I was speaking to a few aggregators recently or reviewing some of the the interviews I've done with them because I'm putting together a book about aggregators, partly to help people navigate the landscape and understand who they're dealing with. Again, a bit like your uh, more of a sort of outside perspective than you have, but nevertheless about how do I deal with this whole situation, educate myself. And it struck me that a lot of them talk about earnout structures, but you're saying that's rare and most people have cash up front. So tell me about the possible structures. We probably talked about this, I guess some people listening will be familiar, some not. So let's recap the typical structures of deals. And then let's talk about what's common. Um, is at this point, the most common with deals that we do at Quiet Lightning and quarter of a, a billion last year. And probably, I think it's 83% were what we'd call all cash transactions. That may include what's called a holdback. And that's kind of the tra- transaction held in escrow during the training and transition period. And then it's released. And the typical training transition period in a, as a purchase agreement reads something like the hours over the first 90 days after closing, and then it's released. So that's considered a cash deal. There may be a small seller note if the seller is open to it. And uh, the reason that you may be open to a seller note is because you're pushing the multiple a little bit. Right, you're putting some the business and the future buyer, and you're saying, "Look, I'm not good with a three and a half multiple. I want a four point two five, and I'm willing to sell in the period." That can be attractive. So, I guess yeah, seller finance is probably a phrase that we'd make sense of in the UK. So, just to clarify that, that it's quite interesting. So, what's the? I can understand the reason that the multiple up from three point five to four point two that could be worth hundreds of thousands, depending on the size of the business. is that a common thing? And, and is that something that's advisable? What are the sort of pros and cons of using a seller note, aka seller financing? Well, it's not a common thing because most people that are selling the business say, look, I, I want all cash. I don't know who's buying it. There's, I- hey there, folks. Thank you so much for listening to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place for six, seven and eight figure Amazon private label and custom product business owners. It's quite a specific niche. So if you're that person, you really should be thinking about investigating how sellable your business is, in my opinion. You know why? Because if you never sell it and you pass it on to your children or your great-grandchildren, you will have a better business for going through a rigorous process with an external eye on it, an objective look at your business. And someone like Joe Valley, the author of the Exitpreneur's Playbook, is an excellent person to, to talk to for that. As you can gather from Joe's manner, like the other people at his um, uh, business brokerage, quiet, light brokerage. They're not aggressive, pushy people. They're very thoughtful and uh, 
gentle kind of people to talk to but they've huge amounts of experience if you want to get the book you can get a digital copy i can show you the physical copy that i've got here as you can see quite a thick uh, tome's got sort of 15 chapters of content which i think is a good thing in an area where a lot of myth uh, happens and a lot of rumors are spread it's good to get a bit of solid ground of a proven process from someone like joe so if you want to get the free digital copy you can go to www uh, exitpreneur.io forward slash amazing fba that's www.exitpreneur.io forward slash amazing fba so exitpreneur is like entrepreneur only with the word exit at the beginning and amazing fba f for freddie b for bertie a for alpha obviously fba fulfillment by amazon so if you like me like physical copies you can always buy one on amazon as well um, really helpful process. I think the number one thing I would take away from this is having a structured process and having um, an expert guide. So my strong advice to you is really simple. If you own business that has some kind of value and profit and is growing and doing well, go and talk to a business broker, even if you have no intention of selling it, because you will get an objective view of the business from an outside perspective, and it will doubtless throw a light on some things you could do to improve the business. And in the end, selling the business is transferring ownership. But lest we forget, folks, if you are the owner of a business and you intend to remain the owner of a business, then you also, as the owner, want to have clean operations, clean books and a desirable, defensible brand and all the other things that a business buyer would be looking for. So either which way, whichever way you slice it, the way it comes out for me, the equation is the same, which is talk to brokers, talk to aggregators, don't have to sign anything, you don't have to sell anything, but at least find out what's the value of your business, how can you make it more valuable, how can you make it more sellable. That's it, thanks so much for listening. We will rejoin Joe in the second half of this conversation in the next episode. Meanwhile, just remains for me to say, first of all, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast player of choice. If you're enjoying the shows and finding it useful, I hope you are and secondly uh, stay tuned for more of the same good stuff thanks for listening thanks for listening to the 10k collective podcast for six and seven figure amazon sellers i really hope you found the show helpful to you please don't forget to subscribe to the show and if you're on apple podcasts please do leave us a quick star rating it will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.